This story I would tell concerns three men. First is the abbot Comgill. He made a seat of learning and of holiness that drew us from all corners of our island. His abbey is in Bangor, and its name was as a bell to us when we were young. The second is the monk Fiechre, who had journeyed out of Connacht to be with him. Later, Comgill sent Fiechre south to found a monastery in Leinster. There, Christian folk have gathered as the honey bee flies close to where the hives are set. I am the third. I am a Christian, born of Christians, but my forebears walked the ancient Druid way. I am an old man, near to death, and I am far from home and my beginnings. Men call me Columbanus now, the Latin form, but I walked north from Leinster as plain Columban. My mother wailed the length of Ireland at my leaving. To understand our story, you will have to understand the times we lived in. The legions had long gone from Britain, and the fierce tribes of the north seized lands that once were Roman held. They squeezed the Pax Romana ever eastwards. We Irish raided Britain, burning, taking slaves, and in our turn our coasts were raided and our people taken. Some thought the old way should be honoured and could still be our salvation. Others saw a new light in the teachings that were carried by the slaves we took. It was a time of change. The rule was harsh in Bangor, but for years I lived in deep contentment. We owned no wealth, ate little, let our spirits soar. Some monks there were who heard a call, then left the settled place to follow forest paths or the great shifting highway of the seas. So many never saw their native land again. Peregrinatio, or pilgrimage. It is the name we gave for our compulsive wandering off when, touched by God, we went to find the people of the dark and bring them light. This was the life we lived. It made strange beings of us, men who had somehow lost themselves and carried grace like light. You think I should not say this? There is no humility in such a claim. It is the truth. For how else could our words have set so many souls ablaze? I too had heard the call, had asked great Comgill would he let me go had been refused, although Fiechre had already gone, sent word that he had settled in a heathen place in Leinster not so many miles from where I'd had my own beginnings. Well, many years have passed since that refusal. When I look back, I see why Comgall loved Fiechre, why he was in turn beloved, and I see now why the old man would not let me go. Enough of all this talking. You must come with me to find a heathen place and sound a bell.
I am Fiachra, of Connacht by birth, of Bangor by grace of Comgal. He sends me south to teach what he has taught, an ancient place, a well and hollow stones. It sits beneath the long line of the mountains. There is a river running close. Comgal is of those they call the Great Ones, Columba, Muchta, Finian, Sancti Fundatores. Many are we who call him holy. He tells us he is holy, just as we are. No more and no less. All men are mere handfuls of dust. We will not listen. We crave the miraculous. We say there is a scent about him. By this we know him. He tells us he is ordinary dust. A dust that's watered by the grace of Christ and trodden into fragrance by his feet. In Bangor, night and day, sea smacks this coast, all stone and sand and salt stain on the wind. It is the road that runs round our island place, awash with fish and fowl and migrant things. It stirs the blood and brings a restlessness. So even monks who dwell in Christ for Christ begin to dream of coracles of skin, of braving storms that lift their spinning boats from crest of wave to mountain crest of wave, washing them onto reefs or into jaws of raiders, slavers, sea beasts, mighty whales. Sometimes they up sticks and go tramping off through forests thick with outlaws and wild beasts to find a heathen place and sound a bell and build an oratory in the name of Christ. Peregrinatio. Once they awaken to this word, they cannot close their ears to slop and splash. The sucking tide, the mumble of deep water mouthing rocks, now Columban has heard the call to man the boats, and Gaul is at his side and would go with him. I tell them that the summons that they hear may be the call of their own stubborn wills, to show the heathen what it is to be a man of God, undaunted by far greater trials of flesh than any that a warrior would endure. They are sworn warriors of a different order. Their challenge, to be lost in him who calls, 
till they forget both him who calls and what it is he calls. Comgill is wrong. We cannot stay still. We must be off spreading the word or seeking out peoples who dwell in the darkness to tell them about the new light. Comgill's instruction is to live inside the grace of Christ through his strong rule. Fasting, frequent prayer, austerity, these are the tools he advises. He says we are not as geese or salmon or eels or swallows, always on the move. It is astonishing. All Europe sees our small lights shine and comes to us out of the darkness that enfolds the lands that once knew the old Roman greatness. Our monasteries take in their young men and form them. They learn the teachings of the Christos. They learn the stories of the sunlit worlds of Greece and Rome that were but are no more. Time passes and they travel home, but there they cannot be as they once were. It is the same for all. They have left, so they cannot go back and belong where they once belonged, no matter how they try. So they practice as we have taught them. The Latin tongue holds, and the new faith glows like the rising sun that catches the world into light. I cannot let him go. Gaul is but young and brave and headstrong. He will be gently brought to heel. But Columban is in his middle years, and his high learning sits uneasily with his duties. He reminds me great Columba heard and sailed. I tell him that Columba left in grief. A battlefield ran with the blood of Ken because his stubborn will could not release the pride to which his high birth made him heir. I pray for Columban. I tell him he must wait. It is not clear. He waits. He strives for grace. I see his fight. His restless, driven longing won't be curbed, but still he must accept his abbot's word. It flays him to accept, but he accepts. I pray again. I fast. I ask for vision. T 
twelve will go with him, as is now the custom. He will not lack for volunteers to fill his boat. It is revealed that I am to let him go. Columban, my son, my rage will stain you. Small tyrant child, you hobbled me, bunching my skirts about my knees, weeping as though your heart would break if ever I left your side. Then you left me, your eyes already full of the long road north full of the certainty I'd given you when I poured my very marrow into your bones. I gave you no blessing, but threw myself down on the threshold, bellowing like the cow in the river field when they slaughtered her calf for the feast. Yes, I shamed you, my grief will stain you. This place we've come to is a druid place. The people here accept the light of Christ, and yet they tread upon the druid heath and hold the ancient darkness in their bones. They do not fear to hold to ways they knew. They do not fear to learn the ways we teach. They know the day as following on from night, then night comes round, and then the day again. You cannot fight with water when it flows, for water neither arms itself nor speaks. You cannot tell them dark must be cast off, because in darkness they see stars and moon. We can but speak of gentleness and peace and make up salves and potions for their ills and show them light because it shines in us and let them go their way when night returns. Old gods creep the bare earth. Old sun seeps over its rim. Sheep cough, limp fading grass, Mud prints in gaps fill and glaze over. Only the crows, playing catches catch can, tumble and rise. The light dies.
It is the year of our Lord, 585. We have set up at Anagratis, in the place where the Romans dwelled, until Attila and his Hun tribe drove them out. There is a temple to Diana, and the shrines of German war gods have been cleared out of these woods. Our rule here is as strict as that of Congal, and our lives are pure, as were our lives at home in Ireland. We serve God, fast, pray, learning shines among us. I am called Columbanus, for Latin is our tongue now that we dwell in Gaul. We are not short of brothers. See how the young men flock to us and ask to learn this life. Even the wolves and bears have learned our ways. I have written out a table listing penances, so that all will know the punishment if they do wrong. The penances are God's law, which stands higher than the rulings made by chieftains, even kings. All penance will be private. There will be no public action, no disgrace. Warrior, bondman, slave, it will not differ. Mercy and forgiveness will be there for all. Bread, water, a rushlight. Loose-armed, we sit across the oak table. Two pebbles polish the colour of bread. We have taken out our hearts of stone and set them there to speak our thoughts from out of hearts of flesh. You have lit the wick. Your pagan faith, in its small light, my Christian faith in its small light. You and I, brother Druid, you and I. Who else is there who seeks to know the secrets of the unseen worlds that we two bind and loose? The flame streams. Sweetness and threat rush the emptied place. I was born Christian, but I did not mean to be a man of God. My mother knew the old ways and the new. She taught me both faiths side by side, made me a boy who had no single tongue. One day at prayer I fell asleep, and when I was asleep I wandered off and left the door that guards my soul ajar so that the deep world washed it like a cave that fills and empties with the tides, and all that was not Christian slid away as cold, clear water slips the lifted oar. The old ways were gone from me. Bright spirits walked beside me, and I knew no fear. 
The king gave us a grant of land to found a second house, Luxai. Now from Luxai there grows a third, Fontaine. In seven years, we came with nothing, lived off roots and herbs, we all but starved, and now a third house has grown up, and the rule thrives. You tell me there is talk these houses were not authorized by Rome. But the king has made us welcome, and we threaten no one. Nor do we desire the world or temporal power. We bear no swords. We ask no more of Rome than we would ask were we in Ireland, that we may keep the Easter feast according to the calendars of the Celtic Church. Do we do wrong? Yes, I know the bishops hereabouts are angry. Let them be angry. Let them wonder why the king has welcomed us and bid us live here as we live. Perhaps he notices their lusts, their love of vestments and adornment, their wish for churches, palaces, advancement. Comgall summons me to Bangor through a dream in which I hear him call me to his side to aid him when his time comes to cross over. The dream was strong again the next night and the next. So I must take my staff and walk and though I feel the old ways and the fear they trail and darkness moils around my feet it is as nothing. The mantle of Christ's cloak enfolds me still, though many years have torn and thinned its weave and opened places where the night wind finds a way. I prefer to keep to my quarters now. I do not welcome guests as before, sitting them down to a laden table, prompting their praise for my well-run house. The one I wish for will never come. I do not listen. I do not wait. But today, as the light was fading fast, a travelling monk asked for shelter. The brothers at Fiacre's Ollard had told him this was the house of Columban, late of Comgall's monastery in Bangor, now raising Christ's light in the land of the Franks. I finished my weaving, 
tidied my reeds, overhearing the stranger's tales of my son. How he braved the seas and parlayed with kings. How he set up an abbey in faraway mountains. How word of miracles brought crowds to his side and the wild beasts did his bidding. And the old hurt flared as I lay down to sleep. He has no kin now but his brothers in faith. No home till the end of his road. I, at least, have a place I call home. A given place in the curve of these hills which draw me ever closer as a mother her child. I will not die among strangers. I sit with Comgal, who is close to death. Columbanus has sent word from Gaul to tell us of another monastery built. A mighty work, he says, is done for God. News had already reached us of the anger stirred by his long letters to those highly placed. He cannot let things pass he thinks are wrong. It is the equinox and Easter they dispute. Comgal is failing as the spring gains strength. There is much pain. Easter is close. He has no fear. Burgundy has lost two kings, and now another sits upon the throne. These are unsettled times. Our work is threatened. This king will have me honor children of the many women he has bedded. You say the grandmother is at the heart of it. She will not let him cast the old ways out, but wants a Christian king, a pagan court. Who does she think I am? Some rural abbot who has one foot in the pagan world and one in Christ's? I will not raise up bastards to be Christian princes in the eyes of Christian men. I will not sanctify the child born out of wedlock for some woman's plotting. Go tell him that his grandmother's a sorceress and should be burnt. No, do not tell him that. Even should he know the truth of what I say, he cannot have it said. Go tell him he must tell this woman who it is who rules his house. He will not do it. That I know. She orders that the Irish monks be sent away. This in the year of 610, and more than 30 years since first we came here. Only the Irish monks. The rest, she says, can stay. So farewell to all those with whom we have dwelled. Do not fear for us, for our souls are safe. 
And what are our bodies but little sod houses putting shelter round fire and round love? What harm, then, if the house should crumble? Fire and love cannot crumble. Fire and love will burn always in one house or another, lighting windows in the darkest night. Banished from Burgundy, we have come a weary distance to take ship. A storm was given to close us in the harbour so we could not sail. Now foes of Burgundy would sue to be our friends. They have invited us to dwell in Switzerland to teach the tribes who dwell in those far mountains. They claim the pagan way has lost its power and fallen into disrepair. It is as a plough closed into a stone shed, the hand that steered its course long gone. They say the people there are ready for the word of Christ. Rain and white petals on my face, my hands. The brown hair in the grass, sweet wind, a speckled eggshell. Stolen, scattered, under the high sky. Frail, yokeless cups, scraped porcelain white, bone bare. So with myself, when I was emptied of myself. You say Christ was a skull crow that took off that egg. You say his were the dark wings and the thieving ways. Friend Druid, is it not strange that I should name you friend? Friend Druid, you know the mysteries. You have sharp eyes, and yet you see but part. Christ is the speckled thrush that laid the stolen egg. Christ is the hooded crow that thieved the egg, the hawk that falls out of the sun to drop the robber bird. Christ is the pasture and the high blue sky. He is the rain, the brown hair, and the wind. Nothing there is that creeps or crawls or swims or stands or walks or flies and is not Christ. These two long years now, we are dwelling by the Lake of Constance. Two years, and still these people turn away and will not see. It angers them when we destroy their altars and false idols, for they love the ways of darkness and despair. They drink and loot and jeer, and all our efforts come to nothing. We offer them the grace of Christ and light. We tell them we have walked with kings because we bear the name of the one king who came as man and died lest we be vanquished by mere death. They jeer again. They kill the brothers as they walk the forest trails. It is time for us to seek another place.
Gaul will not come to Bobbio in Italy. Gaul is most dear to me. He is an Irishman, one of the twelve who came with me from Bangor more than twenty years ago. Things are not as they were. I never thought to lose a man like Gaul. I do not understand his disregard of our great vows. Obedience to the rule and to the task. Obedience to be set above all personal judgment of that task. Now Gaul has judged we should not leave this place. Why does Gaul think he alone is right? And even thinking it, why does he set aside the common good? He says the people will be lost if we abandon them. He is an Ulsterman, a stubborn man, who cannot change his ways once he has spoken. But he will keep the penance I have set for him. He will not say a mass while yet I live. Gaul is an honourable man for all his faults. In Bobbio, they welcome us as men of learning, temperance, faith. There is a stir among the scholars far and wide. They know that men of books are come among them, monks who have great sweetness in the Latin tongue. I write to this new pope in quieter tones. I am to seek a reconciliation between pope and king. I am uneasy with this undertaking but it must be done for those whose souls are in my care. Health fails, and I know I will not live to hear the cloister bell that marks the hours. But all will be accomplished over time. It will be a place of quiet and devotion. The brothers will live safe beneath the shelter of our rule. When I am dead, 
Some one of you will think to take the news to Gaul, so he is free to say the Mass again. It is the thing he loves the best, and I have kept him from it for some years now. I think whichever of you goes will find Gaul knows already of my passing. Gaul listens to God's whisper in the forests. Gaul knows the animals and rocks and trees. I wish that Gaul were here to help me now. I will die in the Latin tongue, for there is no one here who speaks my Irish. Last night, I dreamed a dream that tells me things I am afraid to think on. Inside the dream, there was a man who knelt to beg that I should give my life to Christ alone. I saw the man who begged. He was myself. I answered that I could not be what I was not. I was a Christian and a Druid and a Jew. I was a follower of Mithras and of Buddha, of the gods the ancient Romans worshipped, of the pagan gods whose shrines I broke, and all these gods were one. I woke, and a great dread was on me, for I knew it was a holy dream. My life has been spent teaching men that Christ alone brings light. And then I lay me down in Christ, and in the darkness, am I told to worship darkness? I do not know. This loneliness is hard to bear. Gaul loved the forest places, loved the sun on leaves, the darkness underneath a sunlit leaf. And now it seems I dream that light is dark and dark is light, and God is both the darkness and the light and turns away from nothing. Or so it seemed when I was in the dream. And thinking this, I do not fear. The faith we preach today is as a green leaf full of juice and sap. That leaf will sear with age. Its flesh will fall away into a web of veins that draw a map of what it was that once we had. But what it was was green and blowing. In the sun, it sang. The light of the hidden is clear in the world. Everything stills, there is nothing to say. Nothing to love except nothing itself. Vanishing into this absence, only the presence is here. Thank you.